If you're new with us, uh, we're going through the Gospel of Luke, resuming our studies there. Uh, If you are not a Christian, this book has particular relevance for you, as Luke tells us in the beginning of his book that he's writing this to his friend Theophilus that he may have certainty uh, concerning the things about Christ. And here we meet uh, in this story, which is one of the most popular stories uh, in the four Gospels, which is only found in the Gospel of Luke, one who um, found the real Jesus, or the Jesus, real Jesus found him in this story of Zacchaeus and Christ. And so it's a great joy to have you in on this study with us as we look at this wonderful story. Let's pray together before we have a look at it. Father, we thank you for preserving this account of this tax collector meeting the Lord Jesus. And I pray our souls would be encouraged as we look at the grace of our Savior. And I pray that we too could experience this kind of joy that Zacchaeus experienced, uh, that we would live lives of generosity and justice the way Zacchaeus lives, and that we would leave with uh, the Lord Jesus' mission statement on our minds that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost as we join him on mission in this world. So write these truths in our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' good name. Amen. Charles Spurgeon, the uh, beloved 19th century preacher in England, started a pastor's college, and uh, one of the things that was unique about this college is uh, at Spurgeon's estate, there was a thing called the Question Oak which was uh, a large oak tree or the stump of an oak tree where Spurgeon would often take his students and he would lecture, he would uh, answer questions, and occasionally he would call on students to uh, preach sermons without any advance notice. And so you can imagine the the shyness, the the, the nerves that that would create, and uh, on one particular occasion, Spurgeon called on a student to preach on the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. And so the clever and bashful student took his place on the oak And he had three points. He says, number one, Zacchaeus was of little stature. So am I. Number two, Zacchaeus was up a tree. So am I. (laughs) Number three, Zacchaeus came down. So will I. And Spurgeon led the class in applause. It really is a fun story. It's a delightful story, isn't it? Even when you just tell someone about Zacchaeus, it's hard not to smile when you picture this little Danny DeVito figure climbing up and perching on a tree looking to see Jesus. Uh, It's the kind of story we love to tell to children, right? Um, We we have songs about Zacchaeus. You may have learned this song growing up. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Obviously you did, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And yet, one of the things that we can um, miss when we think about this story is the, the massive truths that are contained in this really delightful story. Like, this is the story where we read of Jesus's, if you want to call it his mission statement, what may be the key verse in the whole Gospel of Luke, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That comes in Zacchaeus's story, right? And this story also contains a whole lot of other important detail in the Gospel of Luke. But the mission of Jesus could not be clearer. Uh, Today, uh, leaders are taught, like if you have a company or organization, you need a really clear mission statement. Jesus was really clear on what his mission was. He didn't come just to make some people a little bit more moral, or to make us a little bit more environmentally sensitive, or to make us more religious. He came to seek and save lost people. And we're here today as those who have been found by Jesus Christ, thankful that he's successful in his mission. Now, there are other reasons in this story, right, that make it significant. It contains many of the themes we've looked at already in the Gospel of Luke. Let me just mention a few of them. We've talked about Jesus' hospitality towards sinners and tax collectors. 
As we've said, uh, quoting someone else, that in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either at a meal, going to a meal, or coming from a meal. That we see Jesus eating all the way through and entertaining and, and hanging with people, and so it is here again with Zacchaeus. We've also talked about how people grumbled at the kinds of associations Jesus had, and that pops up here. We've talked about the salvation of the lost and the joy of salvation that is experienced. And multiple times we've looked at how Jesus has a concern for outcasts, for those who are on the margins of society, even last week and Pastor Devin's excellent sermon on uh, the blind beggar. He was an outcast because of his condition. Zacchaeus is an outcast of a different kind. He is a tax collector who's hated. And Jesus has a love both for the poor, the blind, but also this white-collar corrupt individual named Zacchaeus. We've talked a lot about money in the Gospel of Luke, and you see another uh, word about possessions in this story. So in many ways, the whole Gospel up to these, this point, 18 chapters, has prepared us for Zacchaeus, and in some ways, it's not a big surprise what we read, even though we should never get over the wonder of Jesus' grace here. A second reason why this is a significant story is because of where it's placed. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. And from that point on, we've been headed to Jerusalem. And Jesus is almost there. In fact, in the very next story, we read in verse 11 that Jesus was near Jerusalem. And then he's in Jerusalem. And isn't it significant that on his way to the cross, that's what he's going to go to Jerusalem for, to be crucified, to rise from the dead, he has time for this little tax collector. And he shows us why he's going to the cross. He's going to the cross for people like Zacchaeus and people like us. And so last week he was, he was near Jericho, and, and that guy experienced grace. Now he's in Jericho, and it's another story of, of Jericho grace. So let's look at this story in just two parts. Number one, Jesus seeks the lost. Number two, Jesus saves the lost. Verses one to six. It's really a story of two seekers. You have Jesus, or Zacchaeus seeking Jesus, wanting to see Jesus, but ultimately you, you find at the end of the story that, it, that Jesus is the primary seeker. <laughs> and so Jesus is drawing close to Jerusalem. You look there in verse 1, he entered Jerusalem and is passing through. Just passing through, 17 or 18 miles away from Jerusalem. Jericho uh, was, was a, a, a very traveled uh, city. It had a custom station. It was a kind of place um, uh, many of us would probably like to live. It was, it was wealthy. It was very fertile. It, it was famous for its balsam groves, palm trees, um, many bougie features uh, there in, in Jericho. We would, we would like to, to, to visit Jericho. And we read in verse 2, Luke gives us this word, behold. I think we should use that more often, by the way. No one, you only read it in the Bible, don't you? And behold, it's kind of a way to say, you'll never believe what happens next, right? Jesus is passing through Jer Jericho. He's got something really important to do, like get to Jerusalem to die for humanity. And behold, you'll never believe who he stops to hang with. Now you can imagine the buzz in the town in Jericho. People would, would watch caravans pass through there all the time, going uh, to the east for trade and commerce. And word gets out, that Jesus is coming to town. And you can imagine the people wondering, you know, what's Jesus going to do when he gets to Jericho? Will he pass through and, and not stop? Will he do one of those parables? Will he do a miracle? Like, and, and people are out there trying to see Jesus. And Luke is like, behold, this is what Jesus decides to do. 
he decides to hang with the most hated guy in Jericho, Zacchaeus. Now, if you're not up on uh, tax collectors in the Bible, they were hated, not just because we hate taxes, but um, because they were known as traitors, and they were corrupt. They were known for uh, charging exorbitant interest and so on. They were so immoral that in, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, when he's telling us to love our enemies, when he says, if you only love those who love you, he says, even tax collectors do that. <laughs> so when he's looking for a negative example, the low lives that he picks, he says, or even the tax collectors. And that's the guy Jesus wants to hang with. Not just any old tax collector, though. You notice it here, a chief tax collector. He's like the kingpin of the Jericho tax cartel. Right? He's not like this cute, cuddly guy that we sort of imagine him to be. This was a really filthy guy. His name in Hebrew is Zachai. Right? Why, oh why, would you want to hang with that guy? Oh, Zachai. That's my song. And yet, Jesus does. And so here he is. It's a good place for a tax collector. Location, location, location. Jericho had the perfect location. Lots of tolls, lots of customs. Caravans coming through all the time. Zacchaeus had a lot of money, but he didn't have a lot of friends. He had no social life. And there are many people that Jesus could have spent time with when he came to Jericho. And of all the people that he spends time with, Luke says, behold, he spends it with Zacchaeus. Now, verse 3, we see that Zacchaeus has a very obvious problem, that he wants to see Jesus, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was a shortstop. He was very small in stature. Craig Keener says to be short by these standards in ancient Mediterranean culture meant that he was less than five feet tall. So good if you want to be a horse jockey, not so good if you want to see Jesus in a crowd. And you could probably imagine the people pushing Zacchaeus out of the way because they don't like him anyway. Sorry, Zacchaeus, was that your face? I didn't mean to elbow you. But, right, was, was that your foot? I didn't mean to, to stomp all over it. They don't, he, he has no way to see Jesus. And when the text says that he want, wanted to see Jesus, the tense that's used here in the Greek suggests that he had wanted to see him for some time. He had been wanting to see Jesus. We don't know exactly why that was. Maybe word was just circulating within the tax collector community. After all, Jesus has already transformed Levi's, who was a tax collector, transformed his life. But Zacchaeus is wanting to see him, and so verse 4 says that he does something very resourceful. He goes on ahead and he climbs up a sycamore tree. Now with the, the pleasant climate in Jericho, they had all kinds of trees, including these sycamore trees. One scholar says that in this day, those trees could have grown up to 60 feet tall, and so with spacious villas and parks in Jericho with lots of trees, you could easily find a tree and climb up it. But the strange thing is that nobody would have done this. No distinguished person, not a, an adult with a job, <laughs> is, is going to climb up a tree uh, in order to see someone unless you are really interested. And that's Zacchaeus, isn't it? And maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. I would encourage you to have this kind of interest level that Zacchaeus has. Like, why not keep coming and listening? Why not read a Christian book with a friend? Why not go to a small group or a class? Why not have your own sycamore tree experience and see what it's all about? I think we could say that God was at work in Zacchaeus' life, right? 
I mean, you don't really act out of character like this unless the Lord is doing something. And I'm sure those of you who are Christians can attest to that, that when the Lord was, was drawing you to himself, uh, you started doing some things you never thought you would do in order to, to, to get in a Bible study or to hear the gospel or to engage in a conversation. And Zacchaeus does that in a very striking way, namely climbing a tree in order to see Jesus. I don't know if you saw anybody from Imago Day in a tree on your way here. It wouldn't be quite a sight if you saw your tax accountant or a banker just hanging up in an oak tree. Uh, my finance advisor is Rob Barton. I probably could see him up there uh, sometime in a tree, that kind of guy that he is. But not, it was not even dignified for a man to run in public, let alone climb a tree. So it's not just a kind of a superficial curiosity. Like we laugh at it, but you think about it, like this guy is desperate to see Jesus. That's what the tree is about. And he wants to, he's willing to get over any obstacle that there is to see Jesus. And it's very interesting in Luke 18 and 19, there are stories of obstacles and having to overcome them to see Jesus. So it's the story of the children and the disciples were the obstacle. And Jesus rebukes them. The disciples said, no, don't bother Jesus. And then last week, the blind beggar, he had people telling him to shut up. He's like screaming out, son of David, and the people are like, stop it. And he keeps saying it. And here the crowd won't let Zacchaeus see Jesus. He overcomes it. The one guy who doesn't overcome is the rich young ruler. And interestingly, he has nobody trying to stop him. And that's very indicative of a lot of people who are not Christians. No one is stopping them from coming to faith. No one's telling them to be quiet. It's just that their heart is attached to idols that they won't relinquish. That's the sad story of of the rich young ruler. Well, here's a good story about a rich man who was willing to overcome the obstacle, this one of sight, climbing up a tree in order to see Jesus. He won't be denied because when God is at work in your life, you'll do some crazy things. You can imagine him going back to Miss Zacchaeus telling the story, can't you? Zacchaeus, how was your day? Well, you see what had happened was... Uh, Jesus was coming to town. I got up in a tree. I just had to see him. And what happens next makes the biggest difference. It's the initiative of Jesus. Verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Notice three things about this encounter. First of all, notice the intimacy of the Savior's calling. Jesus looks up. And he calls Zacchaeus by name. He knows him by name. So Jesus seeks the lost, not just generally, but personally. He knows you by name. John 10, he says, I know my sheep by name. They hear my voice and they listen to me. It's an intimate salvation, isn't it? He knows everything about Zacchaeus and still loves him. He knows everything about Zacchaeus and still wants to go to his house. That's amazing, isn't it? It's such an amazing story. You see, everyone wants to be known and loved. That's why we all like the show Cheers, at least the theme song. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. But you need both to be known and loved. To be known but not loved is crushing. To be loved and not known 
is very unfulfilling. You might say, well, you wouldn't love me if you knew me. But to be both known and loved is what Jesus offers you. That's heavenly. He knows us and loves us. As he says in Galatians, Paul says, now that you have come to know God, rather to be known by him. It's an intimate call when he calls him by name. Notice also not just the intimacy, but the authority of this calling. He says, Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. That's not the way we really go about hanging with people, is it? See someone here in the foyer after the service and say, I must go to dinner with you. Some of you single guys ought to try that, actually. We got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of qualified single ladies here, and you need a little assertiveness, okay? So just, you're misusing the Bible, but we'll let it pass this time, okay, <laughs> to, to get out there. I must stay at your house today, he says. You see, this is a divine necessity. In other words, he's looking at Zacchaeus and he's saying, I'm going to change your life. Praise God, that's what he's done for us. He came and invaded our lives. Blessed riddance. What a new life he's given us. He calls us by name. He overcomes our rebellion, our pride, our sin. He says, I'm going to come into your life. I'm going to rearrange your heart. Zacchaeus probably thought he should have cleaned his house before he came to the park that day. But notice also the, the immediacy of this calling. He says, today. If you're not a Christian, you ask, when should I become a Christian? Today. Jesus wants to save people today. Today is the day of salvation. And he comes to tell Zacchaeus, we're not waiting around, pal. Today I want you, I want to take you to, my, to your house. So, notice the result of this, verse 6. This is an effectual call that Jesus has. It, it works. Jesus, or Zacchaeus, rather, hurries down the tree, and he receives Jesus, it says, joyfully. And you can imagine this little guy not having a lot of joy. He doesn't have a lot of friends. He's hated by the whole community. And Jesus Christ comes to town, and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. And now his little empty heart is filled with gladness. You can imagine Zacchaeus the rest of his life telling this story, can't you? Hey, let me tell you this story. I haven't told you this story. Zacchaeus, Jesus was rolling through. I couldn't get to him. You know what I did? I climbed a tree. And you could tell him just, can you imagine this? Have you ever had one of these stories before? What are the chances of you meet some famous person or something and you run into them? Somebody that you've talked about. This happened to me this past May. I was in Turkey and we had, had a conference, and when the conference was over, we were going to spend two days seeing a few biblical sites in Turkey. And so I was telling some of the guys that I was with, hey, you need to watch this video on Amazon Prime called The Last Apostle. It's about the Apostle Paul and about a New Testament prof, Mark Fairchild, at uh, Huntington University in Indiana, who explores Turkey every year. And he's found all kinds of amazing things in Turkey because most of it's unexcavated. And I was just nerding out on all this stuff and telling him, yeah, you got to watch this show. you got to watch this show. So when we were about to check out and go to the sites, we're at the best Western hotel in Antalya, Turkey. I turned around with my luggage, and there stood this professor, Mark Fairchild. And I was like, no way. My buddies had already gone to the taxi cab, and so I was like, Professor Fairchild, uh, you don't know me. I, I have spoken at your school, but we've, we've never met before, and I'm a fan of your work, and blah, blah, blah. He was like, oh, yeah, what are you guys doing? I said, well, we're going over to Perga. We're going to visit uh, this site. And he says, well, that's where we're going. He said, you want to go with us? And so I go to the taxi cab. I was like, guys, 
the professor's here. Like, what are the chances? On, on this day, at this time, at a Best Western in Turkey. And he said we could go walk around with him. And so we did for two hours. We walked around with this, this biblical scholar. And it's just, I've told everybody, whenever someone comes over and says, hey, Tony, tell me a story. That's one of the ones I lead with. Like, what are the chances of this? And Zacchaeus has got one way better. What are the chances that Jesus Christ comes into town and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over. And this is what the Lord has done in our hearts. He didn't pass us by, but he looked to us. He saw us. He knew us, and he still loved us, and he still called us because he's the seeking Savior. Secondly, Jesus saves the lost. Verses 7 and following, we see here that those who are around this encounter are complaining. We've seen this over and over again. People don't like the, the kind of company that Jesus keeps when it came to Levi in in, uh, Luke chapter 5. He says, guys, the reason I'm doing this is because the sick don't need a physician. I mean, see, the the well don't need a physician. The sick do. It's like, why are you hanging with Zacchaeus? Because I came to seek and save the lost. And yet they're grumbling. And to follow Jesus means that we follow him in this mission, right? That we are those who are out and about seeking to, to lead people to Jesus Christ in this very growing area of RDU where people continue to move in, there continues to be a need for evangelism and church planting and church revitalization. We want to be on about the work that Jesus is on in this story. And Zacchaeus here then, as a result of experiencing this salvation of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, stands up. I always kind of laugh or chuckle when I see that he stood Probably some short jokes could be inserted there uh, with Zacchaeus. And he says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. This guy goes from bribing and cheating to being generous and just. This is an example of the camel going through the eye of a needle. Isn't it? You remember that in Luke 18, after the story of the rich young ruler, Jesus says, it's really hard for a rich person to go to heaven. Not impossible, but really hard, because with God, all things are possible. Because the rich have a hard time of repenting of sin, acknowledging their need for Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's how we come to God. We don't come rich in spirit. We don't even come middle class in spirit. If you're coming to Christ, you're coming poor in spirit. And it's really hard for a rich person to to admit any kind of poverty. We are spiritually bankrupt. And until we realize that, we we can't come to faith in Christ. And it's really hard for a rich person to do that. But here's an example of one that it it happened. A very short camel went through the eye of a needle. Zacchaeus. And that's really powerful. It's very encouraging for us. A lot of people in this area, we pray for this kind of conversion. Now, notice three things that happened when Zacchaeus experienced Jesus' grace. First, he's filled with wonder. You notice how how Zacchaeus, he has a behold as well. Behold, Lord. He's like a a little kid that's maybe drawing a picture and wants to show it to his parent. Look at this. Look at this, Lord. He says, half my goods I give to the poor. He just wants to please Jesus. He wants to honor Jesus. He's filled with honor, filled with wonder. Secondly, there's generosity. He says, I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. Now, this doesn't mean we all need to give everything we have away, but it does mean coming to faith in Christ means that riches are no longer is our treasure. 
and that we're generous. Because one of the results of a free heart are open hands. Zacchaeus experiences that freedom. But then notice also the justice that's exhibited here in Zacchaeus. He commits not only to give to the poor, but also make up for the wrongs that he's done by restoring things in a very extravagant way. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And this is what repentance looks like. It's not just you know, admitting wrong, but it's wanting to go make things right with people. This is bearing the fruit of repentance that John the Baptist talked about in, in Luke 3, right? That there, is, there are corresponding actions to real repentance. Zacchaeus was a filthy guy. What's he going to do now that he's experienced the saving grace of Jesus? He says, I'm going to go put everything right. I'm going to restore it abundantly fourfold. One writer says, where voluntary restitution was made, the law required no more than the original amount plus one-fifth. And you see Zacchaeus wanting to do way more than that, to make things right. He's went from a filthy crook to a just man. That's the power of the gospel. He's living out what we read about in Psalm 112 about a godly man, where it says, it is well with the man who deals generously and lends who conducts his affairs with justice. Isn't that what Zacchaeus is doing? And it's the power of the gospel that enables us to, to live that kind of way. These are some of the fruits of Zacchaeus' experience of Jesus' grace, fruit that should be also evident in our own lives. There is a sense of wonder and awe, there's a generosity of spirit, and there's a justice in our actions. Verse 9, you see that Jesus, in response to all of this, says, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. He's basically saying, this guy's entered the kingdom of God. He's talking to Zacchaeus, but it's aimed at everyone. He says, this guy is ex has expressed real saving faith. You say, how do I enter the kingdom? Well, you have faith. You trust in Jesus. You put all your weight on Jesus. He calls him a son of Abraham, not just because ethnically he is a Jew, but because he has Abraham's faith. You know, in Romans 9, Paul says, not all Israel is Israel. That some are, are children of the flesh, some are children of the promise. It's not just being an ethnic Jew that's being referred to here. It's that he has the saving faith of Abraham. He trusts in Messiah. And the result of that is, are these things that he's just mentioned. The fruit of that, the fruit, this generosity, this wonder, this justice. So he's saying here, do you see what I've done for Zacchaeus in verse 10 when he says, I've come to seek and save the lost? This is a living illustration of my mission. The story of Zacchaeus gives us the mission of Jesus Christ. It's a story of two seekers with one ultimate seeker being the Lord Jesus. Zacchaeus seeks to see Jesus. He seeks to find Jesus, and Jesus finds him. Jesus seeks the lost. Jesus saves the lost. Spiritually lost people need someone to come look for them, someone to come find them. And that's what the Father has done in sending Jesus into the world. He didn't leave humanity to grope in the dark trying to feel their way toward God. No, he sent Jesus on a rescue mission. And our Savior is successful in this mission. And one day we will be with a number, a multitude, from every people, language, tribe, and nation. And we will look around and we will see how successful Jesus has been at seeking and saving the lost. We'll see that it really was true. 
So my friends, if you're not a Christian this morning, do you sense Jesus seeking you? Is he disrupting your life? Is he moving in your heart? Let me encourage you to, to keep, keep seeking, to, to keep pressing in, to keep asking questions, to know that Jesus will have you today. And Christian, have you lost some of the wonder of your salvation? Zacchaeus is filled with joy. May this be a day in which you pray, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And Christian, how are you doing at joining Jesus in this mission of seeking and saving the lost? In your neighborhood, in the marketplace, at school? To follow Jesus means to love what he loves and to participate in his mission. And he loves lost people. And his mission is to bring them to saving faith. And he calls us to join him by the power of the Spirit. So let's not sit back and murmur at the lost for being lost. Let's engage this world with the good news of the gospel and rejoice when people come to faith in Christ. And may the Lord use us in 2023. May he use us individually, may he use us as a church to see many people saved through our witness. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, for the timeliness of it. We pray that you would captivate our hearts afresh this morning with gratitude and joy over all that Jesus has done as he passed by, calling us by name and bringing us into the kingdom. May we never get over the wonder of this, and may we always be quick to have a good word to say about our Christ to others. Help us even this week to commend Christ to people, um, to, to speak the gospel to them, to, to care for them, to love them, to get, give us the heart of Jesus, we pray, as we live as his ambassadors on this earth. And we pray this in Christ's good name. Amen.